Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing on this Sunday after the 4th of July? Yes, everybody, everybody have a safe and happy 4th, I hope. Um, I learned from some neighbors a very important lesson Um, This was not me, just to clarify, but I learned from some neighbors that you should not shoot expired fireworks on the 4th of July. And so there's a story there, but I'll just leave it at that and let you you wonder, let you wonder. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone, at anyone. And they're not pointing any fingers at me because they don't have any fingers. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not... That's not where that's that's not where the story went. Hey, if you've uh, if you got your Bible um, or a smart device, I want to encourage you or invite you to to swipe with me, turn with me to um, the Gospel of Matthew chapter fourteen. So the the Bible, in case you're unaware, is divided into these two big sections. You've got the Old Testament up front, and then the second big chunk of Scripture is. Uh, what we call the New Testament, and then there's four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we refer to those often as the Gospels. And the reason is, is because gospel means good news, and those four books are good news because they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we've been spending um, the, the past several weeks and where we're going to continue today, actually, in the first one of those books, the Gospels, the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and we'll land in chapter 14 in just a moment. So uh, my daughter, Avery, I talk about my kids a lot. My daughter, Avery, she's 10 now, um, but I going on 25, I think, is, um, is kind of how she's operating these days. But I can remember um, early on in her life, she was born, with, it was when Sarah and I lived in Jacksonville, and she was actually born um, at Jack's Beach, and so she's a beach baby, and I can remember taking her to the beach as just a, a little bitty thing, a little bitty thing, like while she was still in a carrier uh, and everything, and then so she, I, I can remember early on her kind of growing and progressing, and she started out like when she would, we would take her to the beach, like she just wanted to kind of stay close to our camp wherever we had set up, and she was content to just kind of be there and, and you know, dig around in the sand a little bit and build sand castles and everything, but I, I can remember when, you know, she got old enough to kind of venture out a little bit, and, and there we were on the beach, you know, and she's wearing her cute little swimsuit, and uh, that saggy swimmy diaper is, you know, hanging out of the back of it and everything, you know, she got all that junk in the trunk from the swimmy diaper, those things are not, you know, flattering at all whatsoever, and, you know, so she's kind of waddling around the beach and everything, and she sees her brother and some of the older kids, and they're out in the surf playing in the water. And so she's, she's a toddler, you know, maybe two or three at this point. And so she, she asked if she could, you know, venture out into the ocean. Of course we said, yeah, absolutely. You know, go ahead. And, and uh, she, she has no, at this point, she had no idea about sand and waves and, you know, all of that stuff. And so she's just with, with innocence and glee, just, you know, runs out into the ocean and she gets out and she's about, you know, ankle deep in the water and the, the waves are coming in and she's giggling and splashing and just having this incredible experience for the first time. And, and, and so she, she builds up some confidence and she ventures out a little further and now the waves are up to her calves. 
and, and she's just, she is just loving it. This is the greatest experience ever. And she's so happy that she's finally old enough and big enough to, to be able to get out into the water. And so she ventures a little further and the waves are now at her knees and she's going, she's just loving it. She's spinning around and splashing and everything. And then all of a sudden she's out to her waist and a wave comes in and boom, takes her out. And she's all flipping around and fumbling and the waves are coming over her head and she comes up for air and there's sand and salt water everywhere and she's gasping for breath and she can't get out of that water fast enough. And no doubt you and I, we've experienced a time like that in our lives. There's been a situation where we're just going about our business and then all of a sudden we find out that maybe it was a little bit more than we bargained for. And then fear and doubt tend to creep in. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves pulling back from the thing that once upon a time, we couldn't wait to be a part of. And the good news is today that you and I, we're not the first people to have ever felt this way or to have found ourselves in a situation like this. And in fact, Jesus' disciples coming on the heels of one of the greatest miracles of Jesus' earthly ministry when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children on the hillside with just five loaves and two fish. Coming on the heels of this miracle, these disciples, they were, they were eager and they were excited for what Jesus had in store next, only to find themselves in the middle of a desperate situation on the Sea of Galilee. And today we're in part four of a series that we're calling Miracles of Jesus, where we're taking a look at a handful of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospels of the New Testament in order to identify some of the specific principles from those instances, those stories that we can apply to our lives in order to position ourselves to be able to receive a miracle from Jesus as well. In part one, we kicked off the series by talking about when Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And we learned together that, that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. And then in week two, we looked at a time when Jesus healed a man of his leprosy, of a, of a skin disease. And, and we discovered that God will transform whatever we allow him to touch. Last week, we talked about Jesus' miracle of when he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, as I mentioned earlier. And we learned that we can come to Jesus for supper and be satisfied temporarily, or we can call on him as savior and be satisfied forever. And this week, we're going to examine the miracle that took place immediately after he fed the 5,000. So let's jump together into Matthew chapter 14, and we're gonna start down in verse 22. We're gonna read verses 22 through 33. And my Bible reads this way. Immediately, Jesus told his followers to get into the boat and go ahead of him across the lake. He stayed there to send the people home. And after he had sent them away, he went by himself up into the hills to pray. And it was late, and Jesus was there alone, verse 24. By this time, the boat was already far away from land. It was being hit by waves because the wind was blowing against it. 
between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. And when his followers saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus quickly spoke to them, have courage. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, then command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he became afraid and began to sink. He shouted, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. Jesus said, your faith is small. Why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind became calm. And then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, truly you are the son of God. So last week we talked about when Jesus had gone with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee and they were trying to get away from the crowds that were pressing in on them. And Jesus wanted to spend some time alone with the Father. He wanted to spend some time alone with his disciples. And so they've crossed this sea and then the people circumvent the sea and they, they come around and they meet Jesus and his disciples where they are and it's getting late and they need something to eat. And so Jesus, they 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 find this little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish. And so they break, he breaks the bread, he breaks the fish, he passes it out to the multitude that was there, somewhere between 12 and 20,000 people, depending on who you ask, men, women, and children all together. And there's, there's 12 baskets left over. And so Jesus has given the disciples their next meal. And so he puts them back in their boat and says, you guys head across, I'm going to send everyone home and then I'm going to go go up into the hills to pray for a little bit. And so then the disciples, they are on their way across the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes up on them and they are, they are struggling against the waves. And then that's when this scenario takes place. And I believe that there are, there are um, five, five things out, out of this story I think that, that we can take and we can apply to our lives to put ourselves in a position for that thing that God has next for us. That's what the disciples were looking for. That's why they set out on this journey in this boat because they were excited. They were eager for what Jesus was going to do next. And then they found themselves in the middle of this situation. So if you're taking notes, we're gonna walk through this passage and I'd like to highlight these five things for you. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, number one, Jesus doesn't cause struggle in our lives, but sometimes he will allow it. Jesus doesn't cause struggle in our lives, but sometimes he will allow it. Looking at verse 22, Jesus told his followers to get into the boat and go ahead of him across the lake. And then in verse 25, we find out that the boat was being hit by waves because the wind was blowing against it. Now, the disciples, they were just doing what Jesus had told them to do. They were simply being obedient 
to what Jesus had asked of them. He said, get in the boat, go across the lake. Yes, sir, we're gonna do that. And then they find themselves facing adversity. The wind and the waves had come against them. And you need to understand right off the bat that just because you choose to live a life of obedience unto Jesus Christ does not mean that it's always going to be easy. It does not mean that you are never going to face any kind of setback or any kind of adversity in your life simply because you choose to be obedient to the Lord. See, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't allow us to experience struggle because he has some sick and twisted sense of humor. That's not what's going on here. The, the, the thing that's going on here is that, that Jesus will often allow us to experience struggle and challenge and adversity in our lives in order to teach us a lesson. And at the root of that lesson is simply this. We can't do this thing we call life on our own. We have to rely on him, his presence, his strength at all times. See, a lot of times whenever a a challenge or adversity like this arises, we can feel like we are all alone. But Jesus, he's put us right in the middle of that situation so that we can remember that it's not just about us and what we are capable of. It's about us leaning into him and relying on his strength. And when you find yourself in the middle of a situation like that in your life, you need to know you are not alone. Because not only has Jesus allowed that struggle to take place in your life, but the second thing is is that Jesus will meet us in the middle of our struggle. He hasn't just put us out there by ourselves. He's he's willing to come out and to meet us right in the middle of the thing that we're struggling with. Verse 25 says, Jesus came to them. He came to the disciples. We're, We're looking at Matthew's account of this story today, but when we look at Mark's account, Mark says that Jesus saw his followers having difficulty rowing against the waves. He saw them in the middle of their difficulty in rowing against the waves, in in moving the boat forward in the face of the wind. So you need to know today that regardless of what you're facing, Jesus is not unaware. He sees you in the midst of your struggle, and he has not left you to just fend for yourself. The God that we serve, he's not some far off God that requires us to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to get his attention. No, the God that we serve sees us as his people, his children, and he understands the difficulties that we are facing and he cares deeply about us. And not only has he allowed that adversity to take place to teach us a lesson, but he's willing to come right into it, to step right into the middle of the storm that has come up in our lives and to walk through it right beside of us. And not only is he there in the middle of that storm, but guess what? He's also in control of it. 
It's not that he's just a presence there. He's also in charge. There is nothing that is happening that he is not letting happen. There's nothing that is happening that is outside the realm of his ability to at any moment fix, to take care of, to put to an end. And so he is there with us in the middle of our struggle and he is in control. Number three, where we are struggling, Jesus is strolling. Where we are struggling, Jesus is strolling. Verse 25 continues, he says, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Just think about that for a minute. Walking on the water. Every time I read this passage, like I can't fully wrap my head around what is taking place here because I've been in the water before and I know what happens when you, and it just doesn't, make any sense and there they are in the middle of this storm and Jesus comes to them walking on top of the water. The thing the disciples were struggling with the most, the thing that were giving them that was giving them fits, he was just walking on top of. Where where they were struggling, he was strolling. They were doing everything that they could. They, they'd been blown off course and they were, they were fighting. It was, the, it was the fourth watch of the night. I mean, it was in the wee hours of the morning. They should have already been to their destination and they are doing everything that they possibly can to row and to keep this boat afloat and to move to their destination. And Jesus just walks up to them and is like, what's up? He's just chilling. See, Jesus, he's not caught off guard by the challenges in our lives. He's not trying to figure out solutions to our problems. He's not freaking out because things are a little bit messy or things are out of order. When when it comes to your situation today, the the thing that that is challenging you the most right now, the, the area of greatest struggle and adversity in your life this morning, you need to know that when it comes to that, Jesus, he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Yes, there was a storm raging, but Jesus, he was calm because he was in control. He was calm because he was in control. And when storms arise in our life, when challenges come our way, you and I, we have two choices in how we can respond. We can either respond in faith or we can respond in fear. We can respond in faith or we can respond in fear. But because Jesus is in control, He's given us the opportunity to respond in faith even when things seem impossible. Even when the things that are, that are facing us in our lives, they seem impossible. They seem like there's no way out. There's, it seems like there's no way for us to get out from under it. It seems like it's impossible because Jesus is calm and he's collected and he's cool and he's in control. Because of that, you and I, we are able to choose to turn our back on fear and instead respond in faith. Even when it doesn't make sense. And when we respond in faith, 
something great happens. Number four, the biggest piece of this story, when we respond in faith, number four, our faith activates our miracle. Our faith activates our miracle. In verses 28 and 29, Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, then command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. So Peter, he's, he's trying to figure this thing out. Jesus comes up. The disciples think he's a ghost. They're not sure what's going on. They start to freak out a little bit. Then Jesus speaks to them. They recognize his voice. He tells them to calm down. He tells them to, to not be afraid. And then Peter has this great idea. Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you, right? He's, he's throwing out that fleece. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to get things figured out. And, and we've, we've said that before in our lives when we're facing a challenge, when we're facing adversity, when, when something that we're struggling. Lord, if this is you, then let me know. Give me a sign. Speak to me, right? That's what Peter's doing. He's saying, Lord, if, if that's you, speak to me. Call me to come out of this boat to you. Pastor and author John Ortberg, he said, if, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, right? If you want to walk on water, you've, you've got to get out of the boat. And our, our faith activates our miracle. And so Peter, he's speaking out to Jesus and he's saying, hey, if that's you, then, then call me to come to you because Peter's motivation was just to be where Jesus was. That's what Peter wanted. He wanted to be where Jesus was. And, and he wasn't alone in that boat that night. There were 11 others with him. There were 11 others that they were fine and dandy just to stay in the boat right where they were. Their mindset that evening was this. If, if getting out there in that storm where there's wind and there's waves and possibly sharks, I don't know. And where there's unsure footing, if, 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 all of the, if that's what it means to get close to Jesus, then I'm good to just stay right here. See, in the boat, they were comfortable. They were, they were secure. They were hopeful. Only their comfort and their security and their hope, it was placed in the wrong thing. They were placing it in the boat that, that they were having to struggle against the wind and the waves to keep afloat. And the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was standing right there. But yet they were willing to just stay in the boat and put their hope and their faith in that. How, how quickly they had forgotten about the water turned into wine. How quickly they had, they had lost sight of the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and the feeding of the multitude that they just saw on the shore that they left from. They were good to just sit in the boat. Never mind the fact that Jesus was walking on the same waves that they've been rowing against all night long. See, I wonder how many of us are missing out on what God 
has planned for our lives because we're unwilling to let go of comfort or because we've placed our security and our hope in the wrong things. Well, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could let go of that job. I don't know if I could let go of this girl. I don't know if I could, if I could let go of, of that house or, or that car or this thing or that relationship or that money or whatever. And God, I don't know. Seems like it'd be a whole lot better if I just stayed right here in the boat. See, here's what I've come to discover. It doesn't take any faith to maintain the status quo. It doesn't take any faith to remain seated. It doesn't take one ounce of faith to just stay right where you are. You can just keep doing what you've always been doing and you'll keep getting what you've always been getting and that's not faith. See, the, the other 11, they were full of fear. That's why they stayed in the boat. But, but Peter, he was full of faith and he wanted to go and be where Jesus was. And can you imagine the looks that Peter got when he stood up in the middle of that boat that was being rocked by the waves and the, the disciples are looking, Peter, what are you, sit down. What are you doing, bro? And not only that, not only did he stand up in the boat, but then he walked over and leaned up against the edge. Peter, what are you doing? You might fall in. Don't you see that there is a storm? Peter, you're crazy. Get back in here. Help us. And they're rowing and they're trying to keep it afloat. And then Peter, he doesn't just lean up against the edge. He throws a leg over. Those other 11 in that boat, they saw him as the crazy one. And they rationalized it within themselves. Only one lunatic is getting out of the boat. There's 11 other people in here with, I, I must be okay. Only one weirdo's doing that, like I'm not alone. But, because that's what we do, isn't it? We, we tend to judge what's going on in our lives based on what's going on in the lives of other people around us. We, we try to find people that are doing the same things that we're doing so that we can feel better about the way that we're choosing to live. As long as we fit in with everybody else, as long as we're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, then we're going to be okay. You know what? I don't want to be like everybody else. God hasn't called me to be everybody else. God's called me to be me. And the thing that he's called me to be and the stuff he's called me to do is different than he's called someone else to be and do. So I don't want to be like them. I can't judge what's going on in my life based on what's going on in someone else's because I haven't been called to be them. I've been called to be me and my calling is different than their calling. So if the same thing is going on in my life that's going on in their life, that means that I'm not doing something right. We can't judge God's call in our life based on what someone else is doing in theirs. That's what Peter had come to discover. So he's throwing a leg over the side of the boat. And you know what? Sure. Living that way, stepping out of the boat, getting into the water, I may sink, but at least I'll have the courage 
to get out of the boat in the first place. At least I'll be able to look back at the other 11 and say, see, I did what none of you were willing to do. And Peter did it. Look what happens. It, if you don't pay attention to this, you'll, you'll just skip right over it. Verse 29 says, Peter left the boat. All right, not just one leg over, but now both legs over. And he's all in at this point. He's fully committed. Verse 29 says, Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Now, when I read through that the first time, I had to go back and I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. He walked on the water. It's important to remember that this wasn't just some sea of glass that Peter was stepping out into. It was a wild and raging sea in the midst of a storm. And now imagine the look on the faces of the other, other 11. Peter steps out of the boat and where his foot should have submerged beneath the water, all of a sudden it was as firm as concrete. And Peter jumps out of that boat and he starts walking across the water to Jesus. And those other 11, man, I wish that would have been me. How awesome to have been able to walk on the water with Jesus. See, it was in that moment that the 11 that were left behind in that boat, they were just existing. But for the first time in his entire life, Peter was truly living. He had stepped out of comfort. He'd stepped out of security. He'd stepped out of the sure thing. And his motivation was to get to Jesus. And he'd done something that nobody else had ever done before. And he walked on the water. See, a lot of people read this story and they think about Peter as the guy who sank. I read this story and I look at Peter as the guy who took some steps. And when he did, here's what he found out. Number five, Jesus will never let us fall. Jesus will never let us fall. Peter steps out of the boat and begins walking towards Jesus. But then he begins to notice the wind and the waves. There was the slightest shift in focus that took place. And the shift was this. Peter, he began focusing on his situation rather than focusing on his savior. And look, I get it. I'm not here to chastise anyone for taking their eyes off of Jesus in the midst of a difficult situation. It's hard. We've all done it. I've done it. But you and I, we need to remember that the waves that Peter was sinking in were the same waves that Jesus was standing on. Verse 31 tells us that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. Immediately. Immediately. 
There was no lapse in time, it was immediate. As soon as Peter fell, Jesus was right there. See, I didn't finish the story earlier about Avery. She was out in those waves that day. And as she was venturing out and becoming more courageous, and she got further and further out into that water, only to find that that big wave came and took her down. I was only one step right behind her. And no sooner did she hit the water than I'd swooped in to pick her up and I pulled her close to me and I hugged her tight. I said, baby, it's okay. You're fine. You're gonna be all right. Daddy's right here. And for a split second, she was ready to get out of that water. But as I held her and I talked to her and I got her calmed down, I was able to sit her right back down in that water. She was able to look at those waves from that point forward with so much more confidence because she knew daddy's right here with me. He's not gonna let me fall. Your situation may be too much for you today but it's not too much for Jesus. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will always be there to catch you when you fall. But first, you gotta have the courage to step out of the boat. If you never step out of the boat, you'll never give him the opportunity. So my question for you today is simply this. Where's Jesus calling you to step out of the boat? Maybe today you need to start that blog or that podcast that you've been thinking about. Share your ideas with the world around you. Maybe somebody here today, you need to make the choice to go public with your faith in water baptism. Maybe somebody here needs to finally break down and have that difficult conversation with your employer or with your spouse or with your kids that you've been putting off. Maybe you need to join a serving team here at church and start using your gifts and your abilities to glorify God and to further advance the mission and vision of this house. Maybe you need to sit down at your computer and begin to write that book that you've been wanting to write. Maybe you need to get out of a dating relationship that just isn't glorifying unto God. Maybe you need to start returning to God his full tithe and trusting him to provide for your needs. Maybe you need to hit the reset button and go back to school so that you can launch a new career. Maybe you need to join a small group or better yet, start a small group and begin doing life with other believers. Maybe you need to take that job offer where you'd be more fulfilled, but you'd be paid a lot less money. I don't know what your situation is. The 
possibilities are endless. And, and my concern today is way less about what God might be calling you to do and way more about your willingness to do it. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.